Welcome back for another episode of Super Fun Game Review Podcast Go. Find us on Facebook.com slash Podcast, Twitter.com slash Podcast, Patreon.com slash Podcast, Instagram at Podcast Go, iTunes at Podcast Go. Thanks and enjoy the show. Welcome back for another episode of Super Fun Game Review Podcast. Go! I'm your host tonight, Ralph. The blood moon rises once again. And across from me, I have Mr. Clark. Courage need not be remembered, for it is never forgotten. Oh, thank you, Princess Zelda. That'll help me defeat Calamity Ganon. In case you couldn't tell, this is Breath of the Wild for the Nintendo Switch. No, we don't have the Wii U version. No, no one does. No, really, nobody. I looked at the stats. It's like 8 million to 1.5 million. Sold. I'm surprised it sold 1.5 million, honestly. It's the best-selling Zelda game ever. The total worldwide is 10 million copies sold. It's not surprising. And actually, not that long ago, I saw an article that said that it has just outsold uh, Ocarina of Time in Japan. So in Japan, wow. there are more copies sold Breath of the Wild than Ocarina, which surprises me because the Switch is still so new, and the N64 had its entire lifetime to to sell Ocarina. I, I honestly, the 1.5 million is probably how many Wii U's are out there. That's what I meant. Did I not say that? No. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the Wii U copy is 1.5 million, and then 8 million are the Switch. Right, but I'm saying that 1.5 million, probably every single person that owns a Wii U has a copy of that game. Uh, oh, okay. And it's probably the same way with Breath of the Wild and Switch. Although the Switch has sold more than 8 million units. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, most people have this fucking game that yes. own a Switch. The the ratio of Switch to Breath of the Wild is almost one-to-one. It's yeah. Apparently, it's ridiculous. Come launch day, people were buying Breath of the Wild. But, mm-hmm. but anyway, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Let's get into our initial impressions. And, oh, before we get there, you'll notice, no Harry, no Steve. Yep. It's just just the two of us. We, we can, can make, make it, it if we, we try. If we try. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> it's Ralph and Clark tonight. We're going to talk about Zelda for as long as it takes. As long as it takes. I'm going to tell you my favorite outfits. I'm going to tell you all my horse names. I'm going to tell you my favorite weapons, swords. I named all my swords, all my bows. Oh, my God. I, re- yeah, 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 yeah. I regret this already. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can only name the horses. Damn it. Stupid, stupid. All right, and, initial and this was my idea. This, <laughs> this was your was a idea. game that I brought to the table to review. Speaking of which, it has been 558 days since the Nintendo Switch launched. I've played this game and wanted to talk about it. 558 days. Yes, I used a calculator on the internet earlier. I did that. That's how long since March 3rd, 2017. That's impressive. Yeah, let's go with your initial impression, Clark. Go. I think it's funny that you only very slightly beat me in the terms of how long you had it to how long I had the game. Okay. All right. We need to have this discussion, okay? Yes. Because this is this I called you. I called you out on a previous mubbers about this. That's fine. That's fine. You're not wrong. This is people have been saying this to me for ages. You know, whatever. Or or, or, we've had feedback where I never finish the games. I never finish the games. I do whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. Some people are completionists like Harry wants to do 100% of everything some people just want to get to the end of the game they want to buy it play it until they see the credits done move on and some people like to take their sweet time some people like 
I would like to say, personally, I'm more about the journey than the destination. So you're like, you're like pouring a bubble bath and, you know, sipping some wine and sitting there playing in your bathtub? No, because I'll get my switch wet. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Are you crazy? No. No. What I mean is, for this game, I wanted to really play it organically. I didn't want to force myself to the end. I didn't want to look up any cheats or any hints. Eventually, I got to that point after like a year I started like, you know yeah. what, let me see what's let me see how I can, you know, make some money. So I'm sure someone's figured it out by now, that kind of thing. I didn't use a guide. Um, I just I wanted to experience it organically, as I just said. And I feel like I did that. I didn't feel like I rushed to the end. I also well, we'll we'll get to, we'll get to it, but the ending isn't really the appeal to me anyway with this with this game and with a lot of games. No, not at all. Yeah, I, I completely hundred percent agree with you with that. I took my time and I thoroughly enjoyed my time, and I'm not done. I've beaten the game, and I'm still playing it. That's how I feel about about this. And spoiler alert, this is going to be full of gushing. Full of it. Um, but as a gamer, and even to some extent as a person, I want to say that to me, it's about the journey, not the destination. There's some games that I love that I've never seen the credits. Is this your, is this your um, it's still real to me, damn it? <laughs> It's moment. still real to me. What, what's that? You've never seen that meme. It's still real to me. Damn it! I don't think I have. Actually, oh, it's this guy at like a wrestling convention. Oh, I get it. It's still real to me. Damn it! Triple H is my hero. <laughs> I think he was on Tosh Point Oh my god! That I, I believe it. Yeah, Clark. If you don't mind, your initial give us give us your whole thing. Give me your uh, your 2016. They're going to be launching a new a new Zelda. Where are you at? Initial impressions go. Uh, it's 2016, and I have completely not even thought about buying a Switch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, actually, I bought the Switch to kind of show my son how to play video games. There's starting to be, like, you know, kid-friendly games, and I wanted him to start to experience video games. And, you know, you can slide one of the Joy-Cons off. Uh, it's small enough for his hands uh he's only four so we sit there and we like you know play like mario odyssey and stuff like that i want those memories will last a lifetime i just want to tell you oh absolutely absolutely and i wanted a game that i could play you know when he's in bed or you know just something i i I made the investment for him but i also want to get some enjoyment out of it for myself because it's a it's it opens up a whole new library to me and as a gamer why would I deprive myself, like, what is heralded as the best game on Switch? So, I had the Switch for about three months. Uh, I bought it here in 2018. Um, and I picked up Breath of the Wild. Uh, I know you had been playing it for a while. Um, friend of the show, Kyle, has been playing it for a while. Yep, Kyle's been on the show. Yep. yep. And I just decided it was time to really dive into Zelda. Link, it's been a hundred years. Get off your ass and save me. <laughs> so uh, my initial impressions were I thought it was a really highly acclaimed game. And I was very hesitant to pick it up. Like, it's not like I bought it right with the Switch. I actually waited yeah. a few months, picked it up, started playing it, and started seeing how different it was from something like Majora's Mask and You're Ocarina of Time. No, I played Ocarina, and I played uh, the one for Super Nintendo, Link to the Past. Oh, sure. I just never beat Ocarina or Link to the Past. And I immediately fell in love with this game. 
I played pretty much nonstop until I was like, all right, I need to really start like just as you said, like start to really take it all in. I mean, like I, I beat the game. It only took me like 30. I, I have like the loose hours played for yeah. me is like 35 plus. I didn't do a lot of extra exploring. I was like getting things enough that were necessary to beat the game. Like enough heart pieces to pull out the Master Sword. Yeah, yeah. I was setting little goals for myself. Right. But I think that's what's cool about this game in general. I really, I fell in love with the game. I I, I love it. Might be one of the better games that I've played this year, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I had known about Zelda Wii U for a couple years. Um, I got already did your initial impressions. No, we didn't. I, uh, yeah, we did. No, no, we did. No, what no. was the 10 minutes before I went? Oh, okay. Uh, well, let me just say that I was anticipating this game uh, for a while. It, it, I remember when it was delayed, I wasn't mad. I was like, take as long as you need. It's Miyamoto that said, uh, uh, a bad game is bad forever. A good game can be late. You know, it, I'm paraphrasing. A bad game is bad forever, unless it's No Man's Sky. I feel like I've said that already. Yeah, I feel like you have. I probably said that recently, but I got it day one, played it day one, fell in love with it day one, similar to you. Don't have any intention of getting the Wii U version, even though it might be a nice shelf piece at some point. I don't know, but um, the Switch is where it's at. So with that, why don't we get straight into development? Game development. I do know the game was like delayed. It's a Nintendo exclusive. Came out in 2016. 17. Oh, came out in 2017. I said 16 earlier because like that was the big E3 like push. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, 2016. Gotcha. I again, I didn't really look up too much for development for this. Sure. I knew this was going to be your thing. My thing. Hmm. What what thing is that? Nerding out about. Well, I don't have any notes Zelda. or anything. Yeah, you definitely don't have two and a half pages of your notes. No. I, again, listeners, I am so sorry. No, don't be sorry. <laughs> you, you knew exactly what you were signing yourself up for. If you listen to the Majora's Mask episode, you realize that I would have had like a gallon of coffee and I'm just going to sit here and just ramble and talk about Zelda because I am so passionate when it comes to this franchise. The end. I don't know actually if I talked about this on the podcast before, but I would like to point out that, and I haven't played it yet, but Ralph did buy me the 3DS version of Ocarina of Time. Yes, I did. And insisted that I play through it. Yes, I did. Now, Ralph, I have not I have not played it yet. It is still sitting over there on my coffee table. Collecting dust, yes. Co- yes, a little bit of collecting dust. It is my full intention to play that game. That's fine. You can wait seven years, and when you're an adult, you can play it. <laughs> Yeah, 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 you got it. All right. Odin will beat it before I do. Odin. Yeah, wait till Odin is, a, is an adult. You, like, give your son a game, and you let him play it for a little bit, and then you take it away and, like, put it in a time capsule, and then give it to him seven years later oh, and say, God. finish it. Yeah, finish this now. Yeah, that's terrible. That's like child abuse. Okay, so this game was produced by Eji Aonuma, which I think I'm saying his name right, and full disclosure, I will probably butcher some Japanese names uh, for this episode, but it's not intentional. I'm doing my best. Um, he was the producer, which... I knew about, and I saw in all like the the Nintendo Directs and um, some of the uh, press stuff that they did, but I thought he was the director until I learned a little bit later that he wasn't the director, that a different uh, Nintendo employee directed this game. Um, And his name is Hidemaro Fujibayashi, is his name. And uh, I, I took the time to look him up a little bit because... I assume he has some credentials to be directing a, a Zelda game, and one as important as Breath of the Wild, a launch title for the Switch. You, you know, they're not going right. to do that to anybody. Um, and it turns out that he actually directed one of my uh, childhood uh, games, uh, Oracle of Ages. The Oracle and Ages and Oracle of Seasons 
were actually Capcom games that were Zelda. Like, Nintendo outsourced two Game Boy games to Capcom to make, and he was uh, involved as a director for, for Ages and Seasons. Uh, he also directed The Minish Cap and I think Spirit Tracks. And, which I could not believe, the same guy that made Breath of the Wild yeah. made Skyward Sword. That means nothing to you. You don't have any reaction. Yeah, I, I mean... It, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, listeners, if you're listening to this, you might have played Skyward Sword or at least know of its infamy. Skyward Sword was the Wii Zelda game that was made with the Wii Motion Plus and Link's sword moves in a one-to-one motion. It came with... The version I've got came with the soundtrack for the game, which, of course, is amazing. I'm so thankful. And it also came with a Wii Motion Plus Gold uh, Wiimote. In this game... You use the motion controls for everything. Enemies attack you with shields that have weak points. You have to do a diagonal slash. You have to do a, a strike. You have to do a backslash, a vertical slash. You have to do all these different things in order to defeat them. Now, if it works, everything's great. If the Wiimote is having a fit, it, it doesn't work. Right. And the game is extremely linear, and there's no open field. The, the story, briefly, the story of Skyward Sword is that you're basically um, living in a, a city in the sky, and the whole game is based around flight, and your loft wing is like Epona. It's your horse. You, you fly around the world. You do go on the ground, and you do dungeons and have areas and zones, but there is no, there's no freedom. It's extremely linear. Some of the character and story moments are good, but overall, I never finished Skyward Sword. It's like the first 3D Zelda game that I bought, had. I made two really hard attempts to finish it, and I just... I just let it go. And that's in 2011. It's, it's been a while, actually. Maybe I should revisit it. I just can't believe that the same guy that gave us one of the most linear, no open world, or, or just a very uh, claustrophobic Zelda also gave us Breath of the Wild, which is like twice the size of Skyrim and, and all this other, you know, nonsense. A, a quick aside, the guy's done a great job. That's my background on, on the director. The shrines, you know how you go to the different shrines all over the world? Um, their names, like, you know, it's just like a bunch of jumbled letters or whatever as, as the shrine. Kind of, yeah. They're actually developers' names with letters mixed around, changed a bit. So there's like a, a, an, a like a, an inside joke or whatever that... I thought that would make, that would make sense that they yeah. did that. Originally, they had thought of including people like the Minish. Do you know anything about the Minish Cap? No. So in the Minish Cap, it's like a hat that Link puts on and he goes into like a smaller, like he shrinks down. Like there are, there are like elves, basically, really small people. And the gimmick of the game is that Link can get small and get big based on the power of the hat. They were talking about, or they actually developed having the Minish in Breath of the Wild so that he would um, shrink down in size and, and do sort of the same kind of thing, bring it to like the main series. Um, but they ultimately thought that the game's diverse enough with the Gorons, the Zoras, the Gerudo, the Ritos, and the, the Hylians. They didn't think that they, they needed that, so they, they pushed it out and didn't do it. The game was tested in like a 2D prototype that looks just like the original Legend of Zelda with you know the similar layout and everything. They wanted to see how things worked, and then they scaled it up to their to the final version that's 3D. I want to play the fucking 2D You want to play version. that? Yeah, that would have been some pretty cool DLC if they had, if they had included that or... Hell, released it for the 3DS or something. Oh, speaking of DLC, there are two DLC packs for this game. Do you, do you have either of those? Uh, I don't. I have um, 
I have every intention of getting them. As do I. Um, the Master Trials and the Champions Ballad. The Master yeah. Trials, it um, it has like Sword Trials and it unlocks a, a different difficulty mode that's like, there's there's normal, there's hard, and I think there's like hero mode. There's like ultimate. Yeah. Like ridiculous. Like you're fighting Lionels. <laughs> yeah. You're fighting Lionels with like tree branches. The Champions Ballad, it has a new dungeon, um, like a unique story. It also has the Master Cycle Zero, which is the motorcycle that Link can drive all over yeah. Hyrule, which I got to admit, if it was like $15 for that DLC pack, that's probably the highlight to be able to just motocross all over Hyrule. Yeah. And it, like it doesn't have stamina and like... Right. Yeah. It's just... It's my, like a whole other game at that point. My buddy has the DLC and was telling me, shout out to Johnny McKenna, um, he was telling me that it just breaks the game. <laughs> just having a motorcycle in Hyrule just breaks the fucking game. And he's like, but it's the last thing that you get. So you're not really like going and doing much after that. You're not collecting Kurok seeds like 25 at a time by going all over the place. Yeah. Well, it's not worth it to collect them all. The Kurok seeds. I didn't. I know that. No, there's uh, 900 of them in the game. Oh, only 900. <laughs> I got I'm, free time. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, literally, I, I think a few people have collected them all, and you'd get nothing, nothing for special. collecting them. Yeah, nothing special. Okay. All right, so the Guardians, the guys with, like, eight legs that wander around and just, like, flat out hit yeah. uh, hit Luke, hit Link with, like, a, a nuke, like, this laser bolt that just, like, is so destructive. Um, mm-hmm. They're actually based on Eji Onuma's interpretation of... The Octoroks from the original game, like if you look at the sprites, he sort of like looked at that and said, I want to make this bigger and put it on land, which is kind of interesting. But I think they work great in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, basically a mechanical octopus. The game is actually a reaction. The way that Breath of the Wild was developed is a reaction to Skyward Sword's less than stellar. Like it's very, it's a very polarizing game. Some Zelda fans love it. Harry would probably like it. Because it's so linear. But personally, like I said, for me, I didn't I didn't care for the way it was done. And as a reaction, they sort of wanted to go back to basics and back to a freedom and open world with Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah. They knocked it out of the fucking park. So this might surprise you, but Nintendo has never worked on an open world game in like the modern era. <gasps> so... <laughs> they were influenced... Yeah. They were influenced by Skyrim, of all things, for... For the Breath of the Wild. Oh, of, co- of course they were. Sure. I, 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 It's the most popular open world game never. next to Grand Theft Auto V. Yeah, I, I got you. I, I, gra- I mean, nothing's touching Grand Theft Auto V. At what, what, 90 million copies yeah, sold? They, like, yeah, like, nothing's even close open world to that. Ooh, even cool. Skyrim being released on everything. All right, so I have two quotes I wanted to read by Mr. Eiji Aonuma. Uh, this one is about his, his mission for the game. He says that our mission in developing the new Zelda game is quite plainly to rethink the conventions of Zelda. I'm referring to the expectation that the player is supposed to complete dungeons in a certain order. We want to set aside these conventions, get back to basics, and create a newborn Zelda so that the players can best enjoy the real essence of the franchise. I kind of think that if like, that's like their mission statement... Nailed it. The Wii so U. So Wind Waker. So Wind Waker. <laughs> newborn yeah. Zelda. Oh, okay. Newborn Zelda. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think of that. The Wii U version used the gamepad for the map, but this became distracting and was eventually dropped. They actually had a couple um, promotions and things in the press where they show 
using the gamepad on the Wii U to like right. drop markers and do the things that you do in the map. Um, but to it be your Sika tablet, exactly. Yeah, it's exactly what it is, and. I got to admit, this sounds a little hypocritical coming from the company that pushed two screens for the Wii U specifically and, of course, the, the 3DS and the DS. Right. They've right. been pushing two screens for, for a decade, and they're like, oh, it was too distracting. And something doesn't add up. I like that they made the Sika tablet look and have the same dimensions as, like, the Switch and the Switch. gamepad. Yeah. Yeah. I... I I see that too. I thought that was clever design by them. Yeah, probably not an accident. No, probably not, at all. not a not a coincidence. They base the overworld on Kyoto, which is where the director is from, his home city. The physics engine was one of like their their main things that they wanted to focus on because most Zelda's nothing really crazy happens. I want to say gameplay wise outside of a dungeon. Right. I might be. I might be. Don't interpret that the wrong way. Well, Majora's you know Mask has a lot of crazy mechanics that happen outside of the dungeon. Sure, but the physics in this game are different from other games in the franchise. Oh, the, on say. a physics level? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So Onuma says that, I really think the implementation of the physics engine is a major development for the Zelda series. The way the physics engine underpins everything in the world really offers up a lot of new possibilities. For instance, in Breath of the Wild, you might have a puzzle where making use of the physics, there'll be various ways you can solve that puzzle. That really opens up a lot of possibilities, so there's not just one way to progress in the game or just one way to solve a puzzle. And that's true. Like, for instance, let's say all there's... The shrines. All shrines. Well, yeah, every shrine can be done... So, uh, a few different ways. Yeah, there's there's some... Ex- not every shrine, but sure, a sure. few of the shrines, yes. They're open to experimentation. Mm-hmm. But I was just thinking, like, um, let's say there's a mountain you want to climb. You can either do multiple shrines and expand your stamina or you can cook something to make your stamina expand past what it normally is or have multiple refills and just there there are so many solutions right. to what you what you can do or i guess specifically combat you can use things in the environment you can use your sword you can use your bow you can use your bombs you can you can throw a chest at them there's there's endless possibilities and that comes down to the way the physics work uh, Monolith Soft actually helped out with landscape design for this, and Monolith Soft is known for um, Xenoblade Chronicles, which I think there's a, like a tie-in or like a crossover quest. Yeah, yeah. In this, you um, have to like look at the night sky and and find red shooting stars, right? And the, it unlocks, uh, I think, an armor set. Doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. E3 2016 is when this was like the most talked about game. It blew everybody away. It was. It really, really made a splash. Uh, it won the Game of the Year at 2017 Game Awards. So I find the the development of this game to be fascinating. Some games we talk about, you know, and it's like, uh, oh, there's not much to say. You know, Capcom made this game. And other ones, it's like half the story is knowing what went, they went through to make it or why they made it this way. And right. It's not just that I love Zelda and love the game, but like the development of this one, I feel like they had a lot on the line for the franchise to to recover from Skyward Sword. And for all intents and purposes, they knocked it out of the park. So, with that, let's move into story. Story. So, Link's in a coma. He wakes up. He's got no memory. Yep. And then he sees an old man. <laughs> he sees an old man who kind of looked like the King of Red Lions, I want to say, from uh, from Wind Waker. And he ended up being... Yeah, he... So... 
in Wind Waker, the ship that like saves your ass. I don't need a backstory. No, no, it's, it's fine. the the ship is the king of Hyrule in that game. There's like a little boat that talks to you, and it turns out it's the it's the king. So in this game, the old man you find in the beginning turns out to be the king of Hyrule. The king of Hyrule. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it was a little bit surprising, but um, king of Hyrule's ghost. Uh, yeah, spirit. Spirit. Yeah, there's lots know. of spirits in this game. <laughs> it's got a lot of spirit. It's got a lot of heart. You need 13 hearts to pull the master sword out. I kind of like the fact that this game is set after like a catastrophe that happened 10,000 years ago, and there's all this ancient technology that's more advanced than the current existing technology. Is it ten thousand? It's ten thousand. Yeah. This this happens at the very end. Oh, of the, the timeline. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. I, I call it the ancient stuff. Okay. So the the guardians, right, and their weapons, and uh, the little flying guys, um, and the Sheikah Slate, obviously. Are the divine beasts? Yes, the divine beasts. Yeah. So they were made ten thousand years, but but everything that happened to Link was only a hundred years ago. Yes. Right. Yeah, Link wakes up after 100 years in this coma, and I guess, is it the Shrine of Resurrection healed him mm-hmm. from his wounds? Yeah, I don't know why Zelda it took so him. long. Right, why it took quite so long, and kind of an aside, like, there are characters that exist that remember Link, but to me, 100 years is a little too long. Like, maybe, maybe like, 50 years would have would have worked. So, like, it took me, it took me out of it. But they're Hillians, we don't know how long they... Uh, we don't know survive. how long how long a year is standard year. No, I'm sort talking like about the their lifespan. Like... They're not humans. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, let's not get, let's not talk about the Bible. <laughs> it took us this long to bring up the Bible. Well, you know, like Moses lived like 400 moons or something. You know how mm-hmm. old was he? Yeah, yeah. Versus Zelda was with voice acting. We'll get into that when we get to sound, but kind of in cutscenes, it bothers. There's, there's yeah, voice acting. It also bothers me that Link doesn't speak ever. Personally, it's yeah. just on a personal level. I gotcha. I I kind of feel like that would be pretty pretty breaking if Link spoke. He wakes up and he's got to go rescue Zelda. There's your story. The way that the story sort of ekes its way to you, like as you meander around, I think is interesting. The memories, I want to say, are kind of a chore. Yeah. I, I Again, I didn't look them up. I wanted to organically find them. Some are easier than others to find. Um, some, it was like, here's a picture of the forest with some apples on the ground. And it's like, really? How the hell am I supposed to find this through all this stuff? There's the guy that gives you hints. I don't know if you knew about him. Yes. The painter. Is it, is it only the one guy? I think it's just the painter that's in, um, Kakariko. Okay. All right. I didn't know if it was just the one guy. I was going to tell you that, oh, like there's a guy that exists that gives you a hint at least to one of them. Cause I only yeah. used him for one and then left. Right, and and if I remember right, he actually said like, "Oh, you know, that might be over here," or you know what, I think it's over there. Like he would give, he wouldn't give you the answer. Yeah, he would sort of suggest where you can where you can look. By the way, Kakariko Village is on the path to finding that you have to basically retake the four divine beasts. What is it? One's an elephant, one's a bird, one is a, a lizard, camel, and one's a camel. Yeah, and for all purposes, they serve as the dungeons for the game. And that's a bit gameplay, but you go there, you defeat the dungeon, and then, like, Power Rangers, that Zord is now on your team to yeah. fight Ganon. Yeah. And did, did you get that vibe at Oh, all? totally. Oh, okay. 100%. And I, I just thought it was... I have a problem with that. 
you make all these really cool, awesome, awesome looking divine creature beasts yeah. things, and then it all boils down to they shoot a laser beam, and none of them shoot it in a unique way. No, no, they to don't. the character model, they all just shoot a bland. Well, not bland. Um, the effect was pretty cool, but it's just so generic the way that they then implement them into the rest of the story. Okay. Um, and and I, I thought that kind of watching that final cutscene where they're activated is just kind of, I think it lacks creativity. Like for the electric guy, like have all of the, like have him actually like shoot an electric beam and have, you know, the so elephant, give him, give him shoot something actually out of his trunk and have the, because like the like the elephant like it shoots it out of its mouth like that doesn't make any fucking sense uh, like yeah, the uh. the trunk was part of the you know the the bird just shoots it out of its chest yep, yeah yep. it's it's just one of those things it's like okay I I thought that was a little lazy okay when it came to that Ralph, I think Ralph put the knife down no 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 I I think that's <laughs> I think that's fair criticism um I, just now as you were saying that I'm trying to like compare like what else does it sort of remind me of like in Majora's Mask you have the the four giants that are like holding the moon like that's really climactic that stands out to me yeah but or, they're all the same creature oh that's true you know what i mean like yeah. they're all like oh yeah let's just yeah praise or, the sun when in um in ocarina of time zelda like uses her power to hold ganon down link you does the final blow and then like the sages all like there's like this this clip of the sages they, all like appearing and they, they all do their own kind of thing. No, they all like, they all like do like a motion or a move. Well, you, and they just, use said their Ze- power. Well, you just said Zelda holds Ganon down. Zelda and then holds Zink, Ganon and down. And then Link blows him. <laughs> Link, Link <laughs> deals delivers the final the blow. Final blow. <laughs> <laughs> and then six ghosts shoot all this stuff all over him. Wow. Yeah, I went there. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a good point. And, and, Throughout the rest of the episode, I think we're going to we're going to throw a couple nuggets out here. We're going to be like, look, the game's good, but here's a chink in the armor. There's a chink in the armor. It's a little uninspired when it comes to what Mastodon can Mastodon and the other Zords can do at the end. There, exactly. Uh, I I think it's I wouldn't say it's like a detriment or like some no. big thing. And 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 like you said, I love this game. It's just in the interest of criticism yeah i am going to nitpick because i'm going to tell you right now i you know i love this game so i'm going to just nitpick little things that took me out of the experience i don't really like the phrase nitpick because it makes it sound like you're you're trying hard to come up with things that are bad and i don't mean you i mean like when when someone nitpicks it's well this is really great but it could have been a little bit better like it just like uh, that's exactly what i'm doing though it yeah, is but... great and i'm trying to just it, for the sake of some criticism to this all right okay because i don't because i don't think the perfect game exists sure you're right uh, i'll concede not every so, game can be sonic 2 not not every game can be sonic 06 um <laughs> right so you discover that uh by talking to impa you have to find these 10 memories you have to go to the divine beasts and basically turn them back to your side and ultimately, once that's done, you are free to then go against Calamity Ganon and make a push on Hyrule Castle, which has been destroyed and has been completely taken over by Ganon's minions. If you want. 
which I think is awesome because you can just boss rush Ganon. You don't have to go talk to Impa if you don't True. want to. You can try to three heart Ganon. True. You have to sneak in. It's incredible. It's going to be incredibly tough to get to him. But if you can get to him, the actual boss fight, if you have the right tools, is rather easy. Right. Um, we'll touch on that when we get to gameplay. Yeah. But if you want, in in terms of making your own story, you have absolute control as to how difficult or easy the final Ganon fight is. Mm-hmm. I, um, about halfway through, had two of the Divine Beasts and said, you know what, I'm just going to turn autosave off and I'm going to go in and see see what it's like, see what happens. I got to Ganon and he, and he whooped me and I didn't... Because the two Divine Beasts did like, you know, their thing. They did their power attack and he had, I think, uh, after that, I think he has like 75% health because with all four hits, he only goes to 50%. Yeah. And um, I didn't really have, you know, top tier weapons. I didn't have anything crazy. Um, but it was so much fun just to try to go through... Hyrule Castle at that point in the game and it's always I think it's always fun to, to just go in there and see what's see what's going on or oh here's a room I hadn't found before here's the library here's Zelda's bedroom here's the king's diary that kind of stuff you know I think is cool but when I went back to it later I found that it was easier to manage which is natural you can control how hard you want the ending to be and I think that that kind of choice is important in making your own story which again this is one of those games where it's not the overarching story that's really interesting it's those mini stories that you make along the way you're like ah i've only got one really good sword left and i found a um i find i found a lionel should i should i leave him should i try to try to do this to beat him should i try to freeze him with the the timed freeze frame yeah power the little stories are more interesting than the overarching story Fun fact, I went through the entire game without killing a Lionel. Really? Yep. You know, in some ways, they're a more interesting challenge than the Divine Beasts, or the the, 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 corrupted, the corrupted bosses in the Divine Beasts. Yeah, because some of those, like the first one I struggled with a bit, but by the time I got to the fourth one, I freaking decimated that thing, like first, first go. Like I did it in under two minutes. When I got in there and started fighting the thing, I was able to just drop it. My final three were like that, Yeah, actually. the uh, Sorry. So what is cool also about this story is you can experience the little story beats from all of the Divine Beasts and the Guardian or the uh, Defender. Oh, right. Um, that that uh, represents that. Daruk, that, Mifa, Urubosa, and Rivali. Yeah. Represent that race. Represent that race, but also represent that divine beast that they were supposed to control right, right. originally. Piloted, I guess. Eventually, you find out that all of this happens because of a failed attempt to beat Ganon the first time. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Good point. And no one knows where Zelda is. Zelda's kind of communicating to you a little bit. Yeah. But you don't know, like, where she says that she's in the castle. Right. And that she kind of has, like, time stopped in the castle, essentially. Yeah, somehow she is holding him back for a hundred years. Yeah. Not to get... She has him locked away, pretty much. Well, she does, but then he's also, like, affected the outside world. It's... His corruption has, the malice Right, has. true, true, okay. It's not necessarily him at that point. So, Ganon essentially sends four assassins to kill all of the, the four defenders... And the four assassins are the bosses that you fight in all of the dungeons. Uh, they all bested the 
defender. Champion. Sorry, champion, not yeah, defender. Yeah. No, you're good. Champion. They they all bested the champion that was sent to each of the divine beasts to control that in the final attack, and that is why Ganon won the original right. battle because you essentially need the help of the four divine beasts. And then it's your duty to finally give him the final blow, which we do if you beat the game. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, an- another another thing that I want to touch on for story here. Yeah. So the 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 importance of the divine beasts not only is to affect Ganon, but the reason that you need to stop them is because they are wreaking havoc on that region. On that region, and there's it. Uh, I think there's eight regions, and four of them are being like just decimated by these creatures right and they're just out of control they're you know they're essentially just destroying everything in their path and for 100 years (laughs) for 100 years (laughs) and Um, no one's been able to do anything about it well so i i was like reading online somewhere that i believe the original thing was the whole area was highly populated and like what is remaining now because this is also a nitpick that I have is how incredibly desolate it is. You can you can run for a half an hour and see maybe two enemies. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, it's not very populated the right. the, the area. They of made characters. a really big map, but they didn't necessarily fill it with stuff to do. They didn't jam pack it really. Right, all right. So that is like the divine beasts have like stomped down all of the civilization, and people are creating these cities around the paths. That the divine beasts are in, but even saying saying that, like there should still be more people after a hundred years. Oh yeah, there should, sure. there should still be more people, or or there should be like an island off the coast where like the divine beasts have no impact and people are thriving or something like. There should be like a big, for lack of a better term, castle town. There should be a big like like one of my favorite areas in the game is uh, Gerudo Town, where you have to cross dress to get in. Oh God, yeah. Um, I I just I like the music in that area. I like the characters in that area. I like the conversations, and I I did all the missions without really realizing that un- until I had just a couple left. That if you want the Thunder Helm, you have to cure the town's issues, all the problems. You have to solve them all, right? And then you can go in and talk to the uh, the princess whose name I forget right now, and she she lets you have it. Now, by the time I got the Thunder Helm, I already had a fully maxed out rubber armor set, so I wasn't really worried about like lightning strikes but it's a market there's no real market in breath of the wild like there's kakariko village there's a what hateno village there's other there's small yeah, settlements the lab uh the ancient the ancient lab honestly the the names since i'm not a huge zelda fan i didn't know if they had any like many of them were references okay many of them are references right. to other characters so like i didn't get them and i was just like oh this is just gobbledygook town a and gobbledygook town b and stuff like that so I, it didn't yeah. really strike me as anything worth noting so i don't remember most of the names of this game but i just feel like the game really needed one area that was a civilization and we didn't get that or once the game is over, once you defeat Calamity Ganon, Zelda comes back and she's the same age as you, which would have been a really cruel twist if she was like really old or as soon as she was done, she she passed away and it was a bittersweet ending. But I'm I'm wishful thinking for something that is like that. An awful ending. An awful ending. Uh, or just a twist. And or, or DLC that's you're rebuilding Hyrule Castle. Just give me that. Give me some some post some post game content like that. Well, we don't know what the DLC is. What do you mean? We don't know. I don't know what 
what the it's, DLC it's not entails. That. You go no. back in time for the Champions Ballad. You go back in, back in time. You, you play when the Champions are still alive, I think. Oh, that's kind of cool. I would actually check that out. Well, yeah, it's fine. I mean, I think it's great that the game has DLC and there's more to it. And no Zelda's really like that. Like, you don't rebuild Hyrule after everything happens. But for this one, I just felt like it would have been so satisfying to walk into Hyrule Castle and not have the corruption of Ganon there. And you see people from different regions That doesn't go away in. after the game? No. What are you talking about? I, I beat it and put the controller down. Am I, I spoiling things more. for you? No, the corruption doesn't go away. So after you beat the game, you just start back at your last save. There's no there's no post content. Oh, that's awful. Well, I mean, I get you get a little star next to your game save, which is what I've got, but I mean, you, you basically will start again at at the door to, to Calamity Ganon in Hyrule Castle. And again, this is wishful thinking and this hasn't happened in any other Zelda, but like just give me a little bit of post game content because one of my and again, my playthrough is littered with moments that are like some of my favorites in this franchise and I will be skipping some because I can't say them all in the amount of time we've got. But you have the option to create a town in the world. You have an impact and create a town by going to the different regions and talking to different people and bringing them all together to make this diverse little little town with a market. And it's like the most satisfying thing I've done in the game. It was more satisfying than beating Ganon was bringing these people together. And then at the end, there's a wedding because two of the characters fall in love. Hmm. Like, So did you get a house at all? Nope. Terrytown is essentially... You buy a house. Is Terry from Majora's Mask? I don't think so. I thought Terry was the one that got married in Majora's Mask. Uh, Anju and Cafe, which is probably Mount Cafe somewhere on here, and I just uh, didn't notice. But Sorry, what were the names again? Anju and Cafe. Anju and Cafe. I'm pretty sure that's how it is. Mount Mask. Cafe. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm saying there's probably one in there mm. because a lot of the locations are references. It's probably what Anju did on their wedding night. Cafe'd? No, Mount Cafe. Oh, my God. All right, there we go. All right, this is a good one. Um, I think it's in Hateno Village. There's a vacant house, and you can buy it for something stupid, like five, uh, it's like 30,000 rupees. But if you bring the guy um, 30 stacks of wood, it's like then 3,000 rupees. So you give him the stacks of wood, and then you pay up, and you get the house, and inside you can store weapons. You can store shields you can store bows. Max of three of them, but you can do it. Oh my God, that's fucking awesome. I wish <laughs> I wish I would have known. Yeah, sorry. And then he's like, oh, do you want me to furnish it? Okay, that'll be 100 rupees. Oh, you want me to include a bed? Okay, that'll be another 100 rupees. Once you do all of those things, he sends one of his lackeys to go like mine somewhere, and the guy doesn't come back, and he says, hey, can you track him down? You track him down, and here he's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I kind of want to, I want to do this, or I want to do that. I want to... I'm going to make a town here. I don't remember what he says, actually. So he says, hey, can you get me somebody who's good at making clothes, good at mining, good at this, good at that? So you get a, you get a, a Goron, you get a Rito, you get a Gerudo, and you get a Zora. And they all settle. He builds, he builds houses for them, and they make a little market, and then he and the Gerudo fall in love. And there's a, a, little, um, there's a little catch to the whole thing. The Gerudo is the bird, right? No, Rito's bird. Gerudo are the warrior women in the desert. Oh, okay. Everybody has... Oh, is it the one that's, like, looking for a husband? Probably. That's, like, running back and forth uh, between so. the two towns? I I think so. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, she thirsty. 
And it's not because she live in the desert. The gimmick of this quest is that everybody you speak to, their name has to end in son, S-O-N. So everybody in Terrytown has a name like Rowanson or Hudson. Everyone that you have to bring in for the quest, their name has to end in S-O-N. Why? Because the the carpentry uh, company that mm-hmm. makes the house for you or furnishes and does all that, that's their gimmick. That's just, that's it. They're all, their names all end in S-O-N. So you have to keep the tradition going in Terrytown. Interesting. Well, sort of. Terrytown to me was a highlight because it was completely unexpected. I found I found it organically and I just wanted to see how far the rabbit hole went and when they finally uh, fall in love and they have the little wedding and like an extra cutscene, like I just like I was surprised, I was satisfied, I was so happy and it's like I just want that in Hyrule Castle. I, I don't know how else to put it. But you got Terrytown instead. Yeah, I got Terrytown, which is, you know, like six houses and um Are you crying, Ralph? No, I got something in my eye. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Again, one of the little side story things that just you discover on your own and it leaves you with more than the main story. I did a lot more exploring than I did actual like side quests. I did a few side quests and I and I, I kind of saw I wanted to see everything in this game. Like I to me, my stories from the game are just like, can I get up to the top of that mountain? Oh yeah. What is it? What, what kind of situation am I going to be in if I jump from the top of it? And am I going to have to find water to fall into? Am I going to have to, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah. So I had like these separate, like I was just trying to find like breathtaking views in the game, and there's a plenty. Oh yeah, there's a plethora of those. Of I mean, every mountain peak, you get a chance to see the full breath of the wild. Roll credits. Breadth. Breath. What did I say? Breadth. I'm hungry. The breadth of the wild. The full breadth of what you've done. The breadth. I want to say that I feel like the Gorons are in this game just for comedic value. Like, that's all they're there for. And oh. a lot of the comedy falls flat with me. It wasn't It wasn't particularly funny. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't. Like, Majora's Mask, they were genuinely funny. Yeah. And I thought in this, they kind of fell flat. Honestly, I thought, so this might be an unpopular opinion. Uh-oh. I thought the Gerudo were incredibly rude. <laughs> okay, okay. I thought the Gorons were unfunny. Okay. I thought uh, the Ruto. Yeah, the flying, the birds. The birds. I thought they were all kind of douchey. Arrogant? Yes. Especially Rivali. Like, yeah. I hated Rivali. I thought yeah. he was a dick bag. He doesn't give you... It, the game doesn't give you much of a chance to like him or see another side of him. He's just yeah. kind of like, you can't you can't do this. You can't even fly. Ah. Like that's Ravali. Daruk was my favorite. Okay. The the Goron. I I thought he actually had some funny moments. Okay. But I didn't like his little mission where you got to like move him up the mountain and keep him out of harm's way and keep him out of the uh No, the sneaking mission that thing not, that that sucked. That was um misguided. And I liked the Mifa. I liked Mifa. I thought she was cute in like a like I thought it was a cute storyline. But it's it puts this weird dynamic of like a love triangle type of thing, possibly. Yeah, there's a love triangle there. Yeah, and I, I thought that was like odd. I, I thought that was really odd. But also, they don't really make Link to be a full-blown like, I'm in love with Zelda either. Yeah, he's more like his sense of duty. Yes. He's is... a guardian. He's not a... 
love interest almost. That's a fair point. Yeah. And I thought that's like actually a little bit of a departure. Now, Zelda isn't much in Majora's Mask, so... She's barely in it. I, I haven't experienced, you know, the full the full gambit if that's more of the theme and everyone just ships Link and Zelda, but... I mean, I want to say that the most is in Ocarina, and then... Because Twilight Princess, again, Zelda's like... She's, she's in that game, but she doesn't really need to be there. She doesn't have a big impact. It's mo- that game's more Link and Midna, your, your side companion. What I that think is bad. interesting <laughs> is, side piece. is it's the Legend of Zelda with a character who's like not the main go-to right. in any of the games. I don't think she's the main <sighs> character in any of the games. I think it's Link. Well, yeah. That's that's the whole that's the whole joke that everyone's like don't call Link Zelda, or everyone thinks that Link is Zelda if they're not a fan of the franchise. Right. So it should just be the, the Legend of Link, a quest for Zelda. Zelda sounds more elegant though. Yes, and it does. As a strictly naming convention, it sounds better than a Legend of Link. <laughs> the Tale of Link. The Tale of Link. Wind Linker. But each, you know. Each champion does have their own story. We don't really have to cover all of their stories. Like, some are... This game does not go full bore into its story, I feel like, at any given time. Hmm. I think it I think it has some interesting things to say, but I don't think it says much, if that makes sense. Ganon's bad. Link is The hero brave. of time, as always. And Zelda is good. Go save her. Yeah. Sure. There are these four characters that are going to give you missions that you need to complete to help fight Ganon. And that's very reductionist. Sure, sure. However, You're missing a lot if you do that. Yeah. yeah. There's there's other stuff out there that sounds like it's actually more compelling than the main story. And that, to me, is a little bit of an issue when it comes to stuff like this. Because you want to... And, and they might have backed off a lot of story to promote that whole go explore Yes, thing. I think that's the case. But, like, for me, my whole game was, once I got off the plateau, I went and did the first dungeon before I went and talked to Impa. Everybody's Na- everybody's playthrough is different. Just, I just, just, yeah. just naturally exploring. Okay. So, I didn't get this full, like, I didn't get all of Impa's, like, epicness, I guess, for her story setup until after I had beaten the first dungeon. And she explains everything you already knew. Yeah, or, or she tells you to go do things, and you're like, "I've already done one." I but, got it. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I did one of them, and they did enough explaining in the champion story that if they had just stuck to maybe fleshing those out more, I think that could have been a more compelling way to tell that story than with having this character that just kind of is like, "Hey, I'm here when you need context. Come see me." Okay. That's my only criticism about the story is like I I want believe me I wanted more story out of this right, I wanted right. more context to what I was doing because I loved what I was doing and we'll get into that in the gameplay but I just wanted more from the the structured story of this okay I completely understand it's funny one Zelda's got too much story and the other one's got not enough not Majora's Mask I mean Skyward Sword uh, oh. <laughs> Well, that's a good place for us to move into gameplay. Gameplay. So, it's a Zelda game. There are like 12 dungeons and you walk over the over... Oh, wait. Wrong. 
Incorrect. Wrong. This changes things up, obviously. There are no traditional Zelda dungeons. There are the four divine beasts, which, for lack of a better term, will be referred to as dungeons, but they're brief, and instead, the game has a large number of small puzzles known as the shrines. When Link starts out, he can use like a tree branch as a weapon, or he can find rusty swords, rusty shields, um, very weak bows. And oh, by the way, all these things now have damage values, which is new to Zelda. Normally, it's just you get the you get the master sword and it does damage, and that's it. It takes five hits to kill this enemy. That's what you know. Or it takes three hits. That's it. Right. They added numbers to the game. They added numbers, and they also added durability of the weapons. So if it's a low quality weapon, it will break sooner. And this has been sort of controversial, or at least initially it had a little bit of controversy, and it wasn't until everybody actually got through the game and realized that the system's brilliant. Oh yeah, everyone was having a fucking cow about yeah, the game. Yeah, seriously. Until everyone realized, oh, every enemy that I kill is going to drop a weapon for me to use. Right, exactly. They're, they're so expendable. I do want to say before we move away from the weapons, that two of my favorite characters from Majora's Mask were the blacksmiths that you could upgrade your sword. And I know it was like a one-time deal or, or a two-time deal where you could upgrade it twice. But I really liked those characters and felt like did too. this game missed the opportunity to have a couple blacksmiths who can either repair your weapon or they'll full-on build you a weapon. Now, there are there are characters who, if you bring them a diamond and like a... a, a a version of the weapon they'll make one for you like um the light scale trident or the the ceremonial trident in zora's domain you can do that but those weapons that were that unique i just didn't use them i would keep them either on me or store them and i wouldn't actually use them for combat i just feel like you should you should be able to go to a blacksmith and say hey this soldier's sword that only does five damage i'll give you a hundred rupees and you make it last twice as long Or, and a little bit more damage. Well, so they have those uh, attributes in the game, like the, oh, this has like diamond toughness. Damage and up. This has damage up. And uh, long throw. Yeah, stuff long like that. throw, double shot. Triple uh, shot, triple five shot. shot. Yeah. Yeah. I wish you could apply those to the weapons, and maybe you can somewhere in this game. Maybe you can, but I didn't see it. And. Not only did I not see that stuff, but that's like, as soon as I saw it for the first time pop up on a weapon, I was like, well, how, is that like an enchantment? Can I get that off of there? Right. I have to say, the one thing that they don't do in this game that is really frustrating is they do not explain certain mechanics to you. They let you figure it out? Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot going on if you just dive right in and you don't follow a certain path. So you're I, saying that it's it's non-linear, but you need to take a linear path at a certain point. I mean, we were talking about this with story, so you're thinking gameplay-wise, it th- that is true as well. You're saying you needed like one good tutorial, and then yes, that's I, I it? I would have liked a formal tutorial for some of the things. And I know, I know, like the different move sets and all that shit goes into the Sika tablet. And you can you can look up how to do certain things in the Seeker tablet. It'll tell you like, oh okay, oh this is how you use this ability. This is how you use this ability. I beat the game and I have question marks in my Seeker tablet under the moves list. That shouldn't be able to happen to to me personally. Huh? I don't even know what the fuck it is. 
I honestly don't know. I never had to use it, and I beat the game. So like shield so you surf, you don't know shield doesn't, surf doesn't show up until you do it. True, or until someone tells you how to do it. So like for me, when I started the game and I went right to the first dungeon without going to Impa, half of my Sika tablet was still locked down because you have to go to her to for her to tell you to go to the lab to have them look at it and unlock a bunch of stuff. I feel like they need to maybe hammer in. Hey, like this is like something that you need to actually do instead of just like here's a list of main quests because as soon as you start the game, one of your main quests is just defeat Ganon. Yeah. So that list just becomes null and void because it's like okay, well the duh, that's the fucking end of the game. But it's on your main quest list right from the beginning. I just thought it was a weird way. Like they could have probably broken that up a little bit more. There's they probably could have troubleshooted critique that to to make it a little more streamlined but i have to admit i kind of like the fact that it doesn't hold your hand no i and i can appreciate that as well as someone who loves the souls games where you get no explanations right 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 but in those in in dark souls you you get bashed over the head until you learn or you stop playing the game you get good yeah you get good scrub and in this I feel like it's not as soul-crushingly hard, and you can finagle your way through the game, but, like, this level of finesse is not something you learn until you actually unlock it. Does that make sense? Like, in Dark Souls, they hand you a weapon. Everything about that weapon is now in your hands. Right, right, okay. Whereas, in this game, they can hand you a weapon, or they hand you a shield, like me, I didn't know you could shield surf until Kyle told me about it. He's like, oh, yeah, and like shield surfing down a... And I was like, a what? He's like, yeah, you can shield surf. It was a random NPC on a, on a the bottom of a hill that I found showed me that. Yeah, yeah. Right. You could easily miss it. So, like, also, to my dismay, when I got to the end boss and I was playing against Ganon and he's just shooting lasers at me, I had to look up what I needed to do, and I was like, the hell is a perfect deflect? Right. So I had to look up how to do a perfect deflect, and guess what's not? Okay, I get, I get what it's you're just, saying. It's just I one, get what you're saying. Yeah, it's just one of those things that, like, it, it, it really bothered me. I, I could have I stood for the plateau, because, like, if you think about how small the plateau is in the grand scheme of things. It really is. It's... If more of your trial, instead of, like, being like, oh, hey, go find these eight different shrines. Mm-hmm. Make it four, or make it even eight, but have each shrine actually teach you something about the game. They're all physics puzzles. Again, like, you know, if you're not reading signs and stuff like that, you don't know what you're doing. And I feel like it could have just been a little... I don't necessarily like fully hand-holdy games either, where it's like a seven-hour tutorial and that's half the game. Junctioning. I, I just wanted something... To kind of like maybe fill fill that out for you, I don't think that's a nitpick. I I'm gonna I'm gonna say that you're probably right. I don't. It's been so long now that I don't remember what I did to to get all the all the prompts there. I don't know when I learned a perfect parry or if I talked to someone. I just I can't recall. It makes me think of Twilight Princess, where as you progress through the game, a character teaches you all of Link's moves, and I forget his name, and I'm gonna regret it forever but um he in terms of the timeline 
because he's he's a uh, Stalfos. Mm-hmm. He is um he's just skull and armor or sorry skeleton and armor, and he teaches you all these weapons. And he's left handed, and it doesn't really come out and say it at all. But the person that teaches you these things is Link from Majora's Mask, grown, dead, like re-resurrected, like teaching you these moves. That's crazy. Hero's Shade is what he's called. Hmm. He's a Stalfos that's left-handed and teaches you like Link. your move set, just like Link. Really sort of interesting little nugget there where we know that Twilight Princess is after Majora's Mask, and it's it's like tragic to know that that Link eventually becomes a Stalfos. But a character like that, or some way to teach you, okay, here's all the abilities that you're going to need to know to, to defeat Ganon. They don't have to say it, but... They need to show you, and they'll be like, "Oh, I remember. I have to. I can do this." And that would right. have helped. That would have helped you. I, I, I get it. I think I, I, I can't recall either if I had to finally look that up because I think I was catching on that I need to do this this parry. I knew that it existed, but I didn't use it that often. I used um, what is it, side slash more often, where you jump out of the way from an attack. Yeah, and you basically parry and 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 do the whole. You get multiple chances to to just. Lay the smackdown on your opponent. You can't do that with Ganon, but to do that perfect parry, I had seen a couple of videos on like Instagram of people doing it to the Guardians, and I was like, "Oh shit, what's that?" And, I was just about figured, to ask you. Yeah, I was like, "Is that something I could have done to the Guardians? Because that would have fucking helped out a ton." Yep. It's just, it's just like um, I didn't kill Lionel, but like I had to like sneak around the one right to like get the arrows for the water for the water water dungeon. You have to get the electric arrows. So you can sneak around the Lionel okay. there. But when I was attacking it, I learned that you can use the electrical to stun that one. Stasis. On the hill. No. Oh, just no. use the electric arrow. Electric arrow, arrow it stuns oh, okay. it, and you can do some damage to it. Yeah. Again, I was drastically underleveled when I did all of this. So, like, that Lionel was killing me in one hit. I just, like, I was like, I need to avoid this thing. Yeah. But, like, Kyle didn't know they were susceptible to it. Same thing with the Guardians. Everything's susceptible to electricity except for, like, the actual electric lizard dudes. Yeah. Um, it's an exploit. I actually, I got to the point where I was looking, and we'll get into the armors, but to upgrade the armor, I needed a certain fish. And you find a whole bunch of fish in a pond, you can just shoot an electric arrow into the pond, and every fish in the circumference of that arrow just, bloop, pops up. And you can go in and just scoop them all up. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Little, little gameplay quirks like that, and it comes back to the physics. There's so much exploration not only in the world but then the depth of the gameplay and what you can get away with and what you can do which is what i mean come for the open world stay for the gameplay is kind of how i would put it yeah for sure right so there are swords there are shields there are big two-handed hammers there are spears there are two-handed swords um when it came to a single-handed sword a uh, two-handed sword or a spear. What did you go to? What was your what was your preferred weapon choice there? I always liked the two-handed swords. Oh, you did? Okay. Mm-hmm. Leave yourself um, open for a hit, but you do more damage. Uh, well, what I mean is you, you can't use yeah. the shield, is all I mean. Well, you can. With a two-handed weapon? Yeah, you have to... You have to put it away. So well, if you're okay. like, if you see a bunch of attacks about to come, yeah. you can kind of put it away and shield up real quick. Okay, that's true. That's true. That sounds like a Dark Souls thing. Being completely honest, having been a fan and played a bunch of Dark Souls, going into this and seeing, oh, it's really short sword and shield here, it helped. And also, like, I found myself, like, cheesing certain things, too. Yeah? Like what? 
just just like just random things like oh like this enemy's like close to a fucking edge so i'm just gonna bomb him off the edge and not have to worry about him i know the bomb's not gonna kill him yeah he's gonna get him away from me though and i'm gonna be able to get up this path and i would do that to things like the malice oh yeah okay that hurts enemies as well really yes i don't think i ever played around with that so like there's this there was this one tower that you had to go up that the whole bottom of it's covered in it and there's a bunch of like really one. high level bobagins or whatever bagoblins there you go the a bunch of bagoblins around but they're really high level ones they're like the the striped the, black and white with uh, you can always tell by their weapons um, yeah i, I think they're I the ones that had like the 45 damage weapons okay and i was like okay bomb fell one fell in dead and i was like cool just clearing this fucking path boom nice. I, I had another one chase me until i got him to a ledge where i could bomb it and just boop right in i think the uh, that most of the enemies can't swim as well unless it's a um they don't the lizards swim right the lizard guys lizalfos my favorite weapons in the game though yeah uh, I like the boomerangs. The boomerangs were such a fucking oh, yeah, cool I even, thing. I didn't even mention those, or the um, or the rods, like the fire, ice, and electric. Rods I didn't mess use. with those much. I didn't, I thought they were pretty ineffective. So you liked to throw and then catch your weapon. I thought that right? was really fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. It I, was cool. I it was just a it was an interesting little concept. Um, like if you throw one and it hits and you get hit, it just keeps going past you. You oh, don't yeah. automatically get that. You have to catch it. But like. I had one like go and like whiff and whiff past me and hit a tree behind me. It was just sticking in it. Like That's the physics cool. of the game are really awesome. Yeah, uh, I like that you can chop a fucking tree down and as it's falling, hit it with stasis and then hit it a bunch of times and then jump onto it and fire Yay! across the fucking world like a rocket. Oh yeah, like that shit is so fucking cool to me. Yeah, who needs a horse when you can uh, use a, a boulder to launch yourself across half the map? Yep, or at its peak jump off and then glide wherever it is that you want to go. Right. Um, which we didn't really discuss the glider much, but um, I think it's a it's a borrowed concept from Skyward Sword, actually, where you had like um, a sailcloth, I think it was called. Okay. Where you could, you could jump off your, jump off your, um, your bird and uh, you would just like float down. So much of this game is just me like getting to the highest peak I could find and then just gliding down or, or is the fastest way to, to move somewhere. Like in the beginning of the game, for me, I followed the, I want to say the main path to Kakariko Village, but then I decided just to go for every big tower that I could see, which I think everybody does. And sort of, you slowly knock all those out, and then I was like, okay, now it's time for me to do like the story. So some of the areas, it's like you visit the first time, and enough time passed for me that I could forget what kind of region it was, and then you get back to it, and, and, and you're into it. Rather than okay, I've done everything I want to in the southeast, now I'm going to head north and do everything I want to in the north. I didn't play it like that. I did the towers first, so I could fast travel where I knew I would need to go. And Interesting. Go that way. I, I, I did that uh, the opposite, where I was like, all right, okay. I'm just going to go down here, see what's down here. Oh, okay, so I'm just going to go north now and kind of see what's up there, knock out this dungeon, knock out this divine beast. It was cool. Gotcha. I, I And... Another thing that I did was I hopped from shrine to shrine because the fr the shrines are also fast travel. Points. Right, we didn't we didn't discuss that. The the shrines um have multiple multiple purposes like that. You can get in there and you can get a 
It doesn't need to be fully correct. There's spirit orbs. orbs. Spirit orbs. So you get a spirit orb from completing a shrine, which you can then use for your stamina gauge or your heart containers. Um, I, I personally went two stamina upgrades because I didn't feel like I needed any more stamina because I th- felt like it was a waste after that. And um, I went mostly health. Gotcha. I got to one full row of hearts and decided I was going to put everything else into stamina, which I maxed out stamina, and then I ended up with an extra, like, six hearts on the bottom row, and I felt like I had more than Did enough. you do all the shrines? No. Okay. No, you actually can't get a full uh, two rows in the game. For whatever reason, it's, like, one row and then almost a second row, but, like, two or three short. Hmm. In every Zelda game, you can get a full... Well, in every main 3D Zelda game that I can think of, you get a full two rows of hearts. Is it a 20 heart? Is that is that what the basis is? No, it's way more than 10 in a row. Okay. So, okay, I see an orange shrine in the distance. Let me go collect that spirit orb. And, oh, if I need to come back here, it is now a fast travel point. The fast travel in this, um, I want to say, is is good. It, it makes me think of Ocarina of Time where you can fast travel from region to region. Obviously, there are more points in this. One of my nitpicks, I guess, if I had to make a nitpick, is that whenever you fast travel, you get a loading screen, which I really can't complain about a loading screen in a game this big. Because technically, if you didn't fast travel, you don't need a loading screen. Right. You don't. Which I guess is why I found them not to be completely invasive, but I was like, you know, it's been a while since I played a game which I actually had a loading screen like this. As a modern game where I really had to sit here and wait and like read all this, read all this stuff. I I, I don't know. All I, the tips and I'm tricks. I'm spoiled. Yeah, I'm so spoiled when I say that because the game's fantastic. I, I wouldn't change the way things are done, but what do I want? I want I want instant uh, fast travel. Like I want fast travel to be faster. I mean, come on. I'm just, uh, I'm asking for too much here. The shrines, to me, they really don't take the place of a traditional dungeon. No, not at all. I, I, I don't feel like they do either. Um, what I think is interesting about the shrines and what's important about the shrines is I feel like most of the shrines, other than being little puzzles, are teaching you and fully ingraining in you how to use the physics of the game. Right. They all are based around, of course, what you can do with... Unless they're the combat ones. And then they're kind of teaching you extra combat things. The, uh, yeah, yeah. The, okay. the first sure. sh- the first shrine that you go to, the one that Impa tells you to go to... A minor test of strength. Yeah, the minor test of strength, is that's where you learn how to do the dodge. Right. The perfect dodge and stuff. Right, 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 right. So if you play that and put it down and come back to it, you might not... Like I said, you might there were four it. shrines on the plateau that they could have done more with instead of them just all being well, physics puzzles. They were doing the, the Sheikah Slate deals. They were doing Magnesis, Stasis, Cryonis, or Cryonis. They, they could have done more. Okay. Which I have to say that it's really cool that they can create this entire game based on these concepts of like fire and stone and the physics and Magnesis, Stasis, and you know, and, and how some of them have multiple multiple ways that you can defeat it. And if you go online and look, some people have come up with some ridiculous ways to do things that don't even use the the powers. Like there's a there's apparently there's some way that you can like pull your shield and jump and like float and like do all kinds of weird stuff, breaking game breaking stuff. Hmm. But those abilities, the way that you can move anything that's metal using a basically a big magnet, um, you can freeze things. And 
uh, freeze them in terms of put them in a stasis mode, like a big boulder or a tree, like you mentioned, or a mechanism that's moving and you need it to stop, which is basically what all the the divine beast shrines are. I feel like you were rotating and moving all of those those deals, I guess, obviously, because they're like a big mechanical monster. I used stasis the most, but not for its intended purpose. What were you using stasis for? To spot collectibles. If you're running through a forest and you put stasis on and Link just like puts the Sheikah Slate out and is holding it, you'll see flowers and roots and carrots. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, just I would just open that in order to to get those collectibles. They're mostly cool, and they all have upgrades. Did you, or or two of them have upgrades. Oh, I, I forgot the bombs. So the bombs, of course, return as a staple of the franchise. What's cool is that there are two... One that squares, I guess, so that it'll just sit there and not move. Yep. And the other one that rolls, if you wanted to throw it at, like, an Octorok, which is annoying the hell out of you because it's hitting you with sniper-like accuracy from 400 or 500 yards away with yeah, that a rock. That, that, that shit pissed me off. Fucking snipers, man. Pretty satisfying to put a couple arrows in I swore in I heard one yell, no scope, bitch. <laughs> no scope. Bitch. As a real quick statement, let's just say that anything that we omit in this section is unintentional. We re- I, I realize that we can't talk about absolutely everything in the amount of time that we have. But he's going to try. Now. I'll try real quick. Uh, but um, <laughs> All right, fast voice Ralph, go. Fast voice Ralph, go. There is so much to talk about. Obviously, things are going to get missed, and I'm going to regret it later. So the game does have horses, like most Zeldas, and there is no... Epona, which is like the staple of the franchise, that there's always a, a brown Is horse. in the game, though. She is? Yes. Where? Well, through the only thing that I have a problem with with most Nintendo games nowadays. Amiibos. You can unlock Oh, okay. I'm not counting amiibo. amiibo. Okay, sure. But I'm just saying she's in the game. That's, she's, okay. that's an issue. She's there. To me, anyway. Um, I like the fact that they're in the wild, that you can sneak up on them, and you have to, you have to break them like you would break a, a horse, a wild horse, anyway. And you then get to keep uh, five of them. I had several. I named... Uh, I didn't know you got to keep five of them. Yeah, I think it's five. I named them, you know, goofy things like Zoro if it was all black. I had one that was Ghost because it was all white. Um, that's actually, I think, the best horse in the game where it has the highest stamina and uh, the highest speed. Like a white mane, white horse. Um, I also got Ganon's horse, the real big brute which doesn't have a stamina gauge because it just runs at, at one one speed. The horses were kind of cool in that if you were fighting uh, enemies and they were mounted and you weren't, you could shoot them off and then their horse would wait and you could just get on it. So if you wanted to get somewhere without fast traveling and you came across some enemies that had horses, you could steal one and use it. Uh, Clark, did you know that there's actually like a, a, a horse fairy, which we haven't talked about yet? What? You know, you know the great fairies that come out of the Hold flowers. Hold on, real quick. I don't want you to skip over the last name that you have on that list. Big John. No, you you skipped the first one. Oh, Edgy, the first mm. horse that the first horse that I caught. The first horse. The first horse. The first horse that I caught in this game, I named Edgy after Edgy Onuma, the producer of the franchise. Also, yeah, that one horse that you told me that you let get away, Speckles, because it was br- brown and white. Speckles, yeah. Speckles. Yeah, sure, Speckles. Speckles. What was I going to say before you interrupted me? I don't know. How's Un- it feel? Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. How's that feel, bud? You're going to talk about the Breath of the Wild. Let's talk about the Korok seeds real quick. Uh-huh. It turns out that they're like 
Karak Poop or what's his name's, you know, the guy with yeah. the maracas. Yeah. They're basically just little, or the seeds are poop. They're scattered all over the place. Those characters were introduced in um, Wind Waker and were always kind of endearing. I, I don't know. It's it's sort of like one of the main things of this game is the content is not of extreme quality. It's just quantity. Like, oh, look, here's a puzzle, for lack of a better term, where you need to lift a rock and move it. And boom, you get a Korok seed. Right, right. Like and they're like hiding in different places and things oh, like yeah. that. Or you just climb to the top of a mountain and there's a stone there and you 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 pick it up and they'll they'll give you a little seed. Have right. you ever accidentally dropped it like right on their face and they yeah, go, and ouch! Like, ouch! Yeah, thought that was pretty funny actually. What you do is you get those seeds and you then turn them in similar to the spirit orbs for expansion slots in your inventory for either bow, uh, weapon, or shield. Um, I ended with like eight shields and a bunch of weapons and I think... Eight bows, something like that. I don't have a total number of how wow, many you, I've got. You got. So I lost track of the King Korok after like the second or third upgrade that you get from him. He's in the Karoki Forest with the Master Sword. Fuck, I didn't check there. All right, fair enough. I need or, to go back there and expand it, my slots. As it should be called, the Great Lag Forest. Frame rate forest. Is it that bad? I didn't uh, notice w- it being w- bad. When you go in there, everything just starts like chugging. I didn't ever notice it to be that bad. I do it's know place. that one of the one of the most important things that you can do there is go get the shrine so you can actually teleport back there. Otherwise, you have to go through the maze every time. There's a shrine right behind the... Oh, yes, Deku I tree. did that. Yeah, 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 yeah okay. Um, they, they have trials there that I, tree. that I didn't do. I didn't do the trials either. Mostly because of the frame rate things. So, for the longest time... I, just, I have a little quip about that. Yeah, for ahead. the longest time, I was trying to get on that ridge... That goes along the edge of it and oh, yeah. jump into it, and every single time it, it teleports you back. I don't know if you can actually make it to the center of it, and you drop down, and you're in front of the Deku tree. I don't think so. I think you have to do the path, and you have to follow the way the wind is blowing. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, uh, the way I did it was completely different. I I didn't follow the wind. I followed the uh, fire. The the fire on your torch. No, there's posts of oh, oh torches. Yeah. If you follow that, you can go right in. Well, I think at one point they stop. You have to take. You have to like look around, but you can see the next one. Okay. And as long as you have your torch, you're good. If you don't okay. have a torch, you if you step into the shadows, you're gone. All right. Well, it starts you back I, the beginning. I don't remember exactly how I got through there, but I maybe I missed a I missed the next torch. Uh, the three dragons um, that are in the world. I always find it really interesting when. You see them off in the distance, or uh, you start to hear their music. You might not have seen the dragon, but you hear their music, which has the same theme, the same light motif that plays, like um, the instrumentation changes. Right. And uh, you look around, like, where is it? Where is it? Oh, there it is. And if you're close enough, you'll get a gust of wind that you can get up to. Now, the items that they drop are based on where you shoot them with an arrow. And like we've discussed... The first time I saw one, I tried to down it. Like, that was, like, you you fight this thing, obviously, was right. my, my um, interpretation. That being incorrect, that you can only once a day get either a horn or a tooth or a scale or... I don't know, I never... Or a shard one. or whatever. Yeah, you just hit him with an arrow and it comes flying off based on where that where that item hit. Where your arrow hit. Small note, if you have an ancient bow, it's the only bow in the game that will shoot straight, like dead on, where you're aiming. The other bows, you have to arc. 
Um, so that the ancient bow is really good for hunting or for gathering resources when with the dragons. How do you get the master shield or the Zelda shield? I found that in Hyrule Castle. Hmm. There's only one. Yeah. It it's, has a is really it high. It's not indestructible. It just has a really high uh, health. If it breaks, you can then buy it from a guy that lives in Terrytown. That I read online. I haven't broken mine. Hmm. It has like 800 HP or something like that. It's not oh, that's, listed. That's crazy. It's not listed in the game. Like it doesn't say the number. Right. But it's the only shield that can consistently take hits from ancient uh, guardians. Thank you. The guardians that lurk around uh, Hyrule Field. It can deflect hmm. them consistently. Eventually it'll break. There are a slew of amiibos that you can use for this game. There's a yes. whole like. Every Subsection. Zelda one. Yeah, well, every, yeah, every, every Zelda one. Everyone that has a tie to Zelda. Right. And they all unlock different things. Right. Um, I do actually have a Wolf Link amiibo that came with the HD version of Twilight Princess, but I haven't taken him out of the box. I haven't taken any of my amiibos out of the box, except for one Metroid Prime that I got. Metroid Prime. One Samus that I got, and I actually gave it to a friend of mine who lives in another country, so I don't have access to it. But the amiibos for the most part, add positive things to the game. There are some things you can't get without Amiibo, which is kind of a detriment to the system. Yeah, that's one thing I don't like. Don't lock content behind something that you have to pay additional money for. Right, or something that are hard to find. A collector's item that you have to, like, go to conventions and pay crazy 30 prices. 30 to $40 for a little plastic figure with a RFID card in it. Yeah, right. Or an NFC card, sorry. <laughs> Uh, there's a plethora of different items that are food or can be used as for elixirs. Um, the food and crafting system I found was a lot of fun. I did my best to not look up recipes and to naturally come across what was best, what worked, what didn't work, experiment. Uh, I ultimately had like 30 of everything. Some I had more, some I had like 100, like, you know, just high roll apples or mushrooms or that, that yeah. kind of thing. I did eventually look up to see that you can you can hunt and get gourmet meat and use those to really make a lot of money and or have added bonuses to your hearts. If you wanted to play this game with only three hearts and then just use fruit or meals to increase it, you have that option. You can completely do that. Um, that's new to the franchise. You can you can change the number of your hearts that are like a one time deal. Like uh, if you eat what is it, Hardy Durin. After you've right. cooked it, you can get an additional 10 hearts, and then as you get hit, they will not re recover. But you can farm all those items just by going through certain sections of the game. If there's a blood moon, it'll reset everything, and you can just keep doing it. I didn't play around with the elixir as much. I think you said that earlier, Clark. I preferred yeah. to play with the meals and food. I didn't do either. I would just eat raw food. Right, right. What I did was, with the few amoeba that I do have, I would go to the lava area. Uh, I would find a really hot place, and then I'd drop all of my amiibo boxes there, open up the chests, and I would let the food actually cook on the ground and then pick it up that way. Super effective for just getting extra hearts out of random drops. It's super effective. It's super effective. The meals can give you different buffs as well. Uh, there's a system that's introduced early on where if you're going to be in a cold climate, 
you have to eat a spicy meal in order to keep your temperature up, which that is also new to the, the series, unless you want to include like um, the red tunic from Ocarina of Time that you have to have on, otherwise you'll burst into flames. That's a fun system until you get the armor sets that negate all that. Like the, the Rudo armor set makes Link unfreezable. And I experimented with that. Uh, the, the dragon that shoots ice at you the one that I think is Naburu or some some form of that. Mm. Uh, I actually got hit, froze mid-air, went into my inventory, put the armor set on, and I unfroze before I hit the ground. That's awesome. Um, because it it just makes Link completely unfreezable. Now, there's also the, the fireproof set that you get to go on Death Mountain. Right. But that won't stop you from burning if that makes sense. Like, you can't jump in the lava. No, it doesn't stop you from burning alive. What it does is right. it's, it's heat resistance. Right, right, right. The food is fun early game to play around with that. Like, if you're going to be in a... And even a little bit later in uh, the Gerudo Desert, if you are in the sun, even with your buffed armor, if you're in the sun, Link will get dizzy. And you yep. have to then, you know, eat something that'll, that'll cool him off or just stand in the shade for a little bit. The The temperature system I found enjoyable... Like I said, up until the point where I got armors that basically negated it. I would then only use the food and elixirs if I was going to be climbing a lot and I wanted to use my climbing gear, which once I got became my default outfit to climb up things twice as fast and uh, have half the stamina used when jumping. So I would, after that point, I got three wheels of stamina and I would just like, I'm going to climb this mountain by jumping it, which I found to be a lot of fun. Uh, it sort of reinvigorated my exploration with the game after getting like halfway through it, which is probably a good transition into the armor sets, which there are a plethora here. There are many that you can get in DLC. All of them can be upgraded by speaking to the great fairies who I didn't talk about and who are kind of like huge and a little bit yeah, scary. They're giant they're, and they're, they're in like giant scary. flower houses and things like that. Like yeah. it's so the first time I came across one of the giant fairies, I opened the flower and I was fully expecting a boss fight. I was like <laughs> I was like, Oh, what's what's in here? And it's like, Oh, give me a hundred rupees and like they hadn't shown its face and I'm like right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about all this. Um but then I went ahead and I Added some armor bonuses and things like that. Did you find all four? No, I only found the one. Okay. The fourth? Ten grand. Really? You need ten grand in order for her to appear. And she maxes out your... She gives you the option to max out your stuff with any of the other fairies. But there are four. Wow. I think that was when I had to I had to look up how to make, how to make some decent money in the game. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I uh, didn't do that. <laughs> Quick side note to the fairies. There is actually a horse fairy, which is a little strange in that it's not i think it's almost like a puppet it's like a it's like a skeleton is what it is and if you have any horse that you took to a um took to a stable which are littered all over the game right we didn't discuss um which are like mini towns mini hubs where you can talk to npcs if a horse were to die like it jumps off a cliff or you lead it into battle and it dies you mm-hmm. can then go to this fairy and resurrect that horse I haven't actually done it, and I almost did just before we sat down to talk about it to see how it works and how it happened. I can probably find it on YouTube, but um, I assume you have to pay some kind of price. I don't know if it's rupees. It's probably like a thousand rupees or something like that, and uh, your horse comes back, and I don't know if there's any, like, difference. Like, it's a little bit... Maybe it's temperament changes or something. Hmm. I I don't know, but uh, I did... I was kind of surprised to discover that. I was like, oh, no, another fairy, and I get in there, and here it's this weird 
horse skeleton thing, but it's the size of a great fairy. It's huge. Interesting. Um, I really love the outfits, the armor sets. I maxed out all the ones that I could. I always enjoy that in games. Like if it's Red Dead, I wanted all the outfits in Red Dead. Oh, I did yeah. all the challenges. Um, in this, I really liked the way that you can upgrade them. Some I wish you could do more than others. My default combat was Link's, uh, his blue tunic, armored like the knight's uh, pants, and then the um, the jewelry from uh, Gerudo Town. Amber earrings, you can max up to 28 defense. So my Link was at an armor of about 80 towards the end of the game. And that, <laughs> wow. that was my default um, combat. Do you want to know what mine was? 25? 15. 15? 15. I upgraded twice. You made it hard on yourself. <laughs> Beat the game. No, no, no. I, I'm not... I'm not I'm, like I wow. said, I, I went Dark Souls with the game. I Yeah. I Up, up until Ganon, and even the Ganon fight, I... I at any given time could get one shotted. So like Mifa's grace yeah. was like Godson. amazing to me. Cause I was like, oh okay, cool. I'm gonna die here. Oh, I still have half heart left. I'd pause, eat all my fucking food. <laughs> like Skyrim. Keep fighting. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I would totally Skyrim. <laughs> all the cheese it wheels. All the cheese wheels. But yeah, like I totally went full blown like, oh, I'm gonna go light with all of my stuff. I'm just gonna be a glass cannon. That's what I did in Glass Cannon. Yep. Still beat the game. There it is. Yeah, I took the I took the longer path. Fair enough. You know, Mipha's Grace, that reminds me, there are four special abilities that you get as you uh I want to say bring peace to the champions and regain the Divine Beasts. Thank you. The Divine Beasts. Mipha's Grace is the one I used the most. Once I got Rivali's Gale, I used that a lot too. I got to the point where I started to turn them off. I turned off the defense one you get from the Goron. Really? Yeah, I turned that one off because I couldn't I couldn't um effectively do the perfect parry or whatever. That became a little bit annoying. And Urbosa's Fury, where she would release electricity, I turned that one off too. So like Ravali's Gale. Oh, I, I thought I thought hers was like probably one of the best ones. Yeah, it, it is. For combat anyway. I, I think I think the game got a little too easy for me at that point. Because like I said, uh... my my armor was at eighty. Nobody was really a threat. So Ravali's Gale was I I wanted to scale it back a little bit. I still wanted there to be some challenge. So Ravali's Gale I would turn on, the other ones I turned off. Hmm. And I know I'm forgetting things, but I think I'm gonna have to wrap it up there for gameplay. Um I found the combat in this to be really engaging. Um some of the enemy types, you know, they were a little redundant. There were no real weird ones. They would just be the same thing, a little bit harder, more health. Yep. And you know, with Link's tunic you could see their exact health. And I do actually like fighting the Lionels. And I got up to the Silver Lionels where they have like 4,000 HP. And you just, basically you learn their pattern and you whittle them down and you whoop them and you get the best weapons in the game. Hmm. You get stuff with like damage of 60, 70, that kind of thing. You get the bows with that shoot five arrows at once. That's um, gross. So gross. And some of the armor sets, to upgrade them, you need like... Lionel guts. You need like ten Lionel guts. So I would just like, okay, here's one. And on my mini map, I would put a, a skull anytime I ran into one. So I would just look at my map and say, I'm going to do the circuit, and I'm just going to fight all these Lionels at once. And there are ways that you can, you know, you can use stasis to stop them, and then you can use an armor set that has a buff for your charge attack and just charge it up, and you can you can make them manageable. Mm-hmm. Ganon though, and the bosses for the Divine Beasts, pretty lackluster. And when it comes to Ganon, especially his final form where he's just a big pig on Hyrule Field, 
I could have beat him in my sleep. Oh yeah, that was the that was such a gimme fight. It really was. It's nothing like Ocarina of Time and how that ends. It's not or even Majora's Mask. Like that that is an epic climactic bash or or Wind Waker or Twilight Princess. They all end with a like Ganondorf and solo combat. This is this is you shooting a pig with arrows. Like you just, just feel like you're a little a little bit of a letdown. Anticlimactic. Yep. After the adventure you've been on to fight that, I I don't know why they I don't know why they did it like that. We'll have to ask Eji Anuma next time we see him. Yeah, next time we see him. All right. With that, I know we forgot things or left things out, but gameplay's got to wrap, and let's move into graphics. Graphics. I feel like we can't talk about the graphics without mentioning that Wind Waker was the first like cell shaded Zelda, and then it kind of got a mixed response. Then with Twilight Princess, they went for a more realistic um, look, but the art was funkier. Like the the NPC human beings highly as look yeah. kind of weird. Yep. After that, they did Skyward Sword, which was like a blending of the two. Right. Where you sort of have the the art style that's cell shaded. And then with this, I feel like it's been perfected. Yeah, I I 100% agree. The graphics in this are fucking incredible. I think the art design is really well done. Everything is designed down to a T, really nice. They reuse some of the same assets that I've noticed, but like just running across a field that is sprawling with like the wind blowing and everything, like it just every single frame of this game, when you're looking at a landscape, looks like it's just hand painted and it's just it 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 looks incredible i'm gonna bring this up again when we get to music but i kind of get studio ghibli princess mononoke vibes oh for sure for sure especially when you're running around in like the fierce deity suit yeah because it kind of looks like the princesses from princess mononoke oh you mean the mask and stuff yeah the mask and like just what she's wearing like okay okay there's a lot of furs there's a lot of plate armor in this plate leather and things like that it's very stylized, and I really, really, really enjo- just enjoyed the graphics. I think all the character designs are unique. I think there's they just perfected each type of character that's in this. Yeah, like all the different races are just. I feel like they're perfect. Like Zora's and Majora's Mask were kind of boring looking. Zora's and this look fucking fantastic. They just look mm. like a advanced version of Zora's and same with the Gorons and I just I I can't get enough of the graphics yeah they could make a sequel tomorrow that has the exact same engine and I wouldn't be disappointed no me either and I also like the stark contrast where they have all these beautiful looking like hand painted things and then you just have this like crazy cyber steampunk type like ancient just technology, ancient technology that's just neon colored and blues fucking and crazy orange. blues, orange, purples, pinks like they all and red. They just all blend so well. Well, you said it. I mean, uh, I just like that in terms of the graphic level, you can look at that mountain over there and you can walk to it and climb it. It really gives you that sense of it's a real living world. Yeah, you can uh, go it, anywhere, you can do, do anything. There. And like I was, I was complaining about the the fast travels before. They're optional. There are no mandatory. There's no mandatory loading except for the first, the first go. Right. So if you want to role play it, and you want to walk from one side to the other, the map, 
and complete things as you go. There's nothing stopping you. I think there's a loading screen or two for cutscenes, but that's about it. Oh, uh, well, okay. Yeah, but that happens. I can't give the graphics enough praise. Um, yeah. There might have been once or twice that there were uh, there was some pop-in that I noticed, like grass coming in as I walked, or, or I was doing something that was particularly fast and I was outpacing the game. Yeah, you know but I that's... I don't even think that's a lim- I think that's a limitation of the Switch and not a limitation of what that game is actually capable of. Oh sure. Could you imagine this game on a fucking PC? I was just gonna say that <laughs> it'd be it would be just it would incredible. Yeah. Four uh, K never happened, but it'd be nice. Um, yeah. Maybe one day someone will emulate the system. I do want to say that I think Ganon's minions, the ones in the Divine Beasts, mm-hmm. are a little redundant, and even Ganon himself. And that's not the graphics; that's more the art style. I, I just feel like they're not original enough. Like they're not they're not different enough in terms of a, a boss for me. It makes sense that they have shared themes because they're they're from Ganon, but they're a little too similar to me. See, I felt that way until I saw Calamity Ganon. Okay. And then instantaneously I was like, Well, yeah, no shit. Okay. Cause each one of them has one part of Calamity. Oh, they're like that make them unique to themselves, but if you just smoosh them all together, that's Ganon. Like he has like okay. he, it's it's all the different weapons, right? Like a spear or a sword, or isn't that what he's? Or yeah, the, the, the spear, the, energy, the, the spear, energy the blast. sword, the energy blaster. Like that's all. Like that is just okay. Okay, it all came to like it. It all came, came together, together for me when I saw Calamity, and I was like, oh. Okay, like I, I went from hating it to loving it. Okay. Not hate, not hating it. I, I didn't hate the design. I th- I thought they looked too similar until I saw him, and I was like, oh yeah, he fucking spawned these things. Like, right. of course. And there, he, it's like this weird, like he spawned them in images of himself. So the story was dictating the art style there. Yeah. Okay. And if that was the appro- if that was the approach that they took, I applaud them. If they literally just wanted to design them off though, as as uniques, and then design Ganon last as a combination, I feel like that idea is a little flawed. I but, guess we need to know what they did first, then. Yeah, I, it doesn't super change it for me, but I liked that you face all these things, and then you kind of see the amalgamation at the end of Calamity Ganon. Yeah, I was just thinking that this is like horizon simulator you know what i mean like when i think of the graphics of this game i think about a, a great view from oh, every the top time of a mountain every right. time that's that's what it is graphics I can't, I can't praise it enough yep let's move into sound all right music so we've got our first zelda game with voice acting i and i think it's mixed with the actual voice acting i think it's pretty mixed I thought Zelda's voice was too soft. Okay. Um, but like screechy at times. Not screechy. It, she just, her voice was so soft at all times. It didn't matter if there was urgency. It sounded like it was act. It was all read at one time with no sort of direction. Direction. Yes. I can see that. Link isn't voice, voice acted again. Uh, except for his, huh, 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 skank. Yeah, like, I, I still don't like that. I think a main character with an actual personality matters, personally. That's that's a gripe that I have with the entire series, though. It's not just this game. Okay, yeah. Because he's just, he just doesn't 
contribute anything to the story other than being there and being this he's that classic uh main character that you're supposed to project yourself on and they give him very little character in order for that to happen yeah well they give like, him no character he well, has okay. no character I want to say in some of the cutscenes he has things that we can't control, but he doesn't say anything. You're right. The music is good. I don't think it's anything incredibly oh, hold on. remarkable. I'm not getting the music yet. I'm cutting you off. <laughs> God, All you're right. going to make this like so long. No, I'm not. But when it comes to the voice acting, I want to say mm-hmm. that Zelda, for me, she wasn't all that bad. And I liked Urbosa. I liked yeah. her voice acting, but like the Gorons kind of fell flat and the Rito fell flat um you know what mifa i don't really she was kind of she was kind of okay so 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 here's the thing to me if you if you sat me down and told me that mifa and zelda were voice acted by the same person wouldn't be blown away okay okay i gotcha daruk i thought fit his character for sure that's what i wanted to say zelda's good but i feel like the actress playing her is too old for what the character is supposed to be. And I'm not saying that she's too old. I'm saying that to play Zelda as like a young adult, she was too old. Yeah. If that makes sense. And, and and I don't know. I I I don't like that every single time uh, this could be script, this could be whatever. I don't like that every single time that Zelda contacts Link. She's like dot dot dot. Link. 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 And then says her piece. Like you know you have the connection, just start speaking. Like, Link, comma, say something. The blood moon rises once uh, again. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, it's just, I don't know. So, a mixed bag. Their first yeah. go was a mixed bag. They can yeah. do better next time, I hope. For sure. No, I, 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 thought the, I thought the Zora Prince was excellent. Is he voice acted? Yeah, a little bit, I think. He's just like, ha ha! And stuff, right? Because I don't think he has any full-blown voice I thought, I thought voice he had some scenes. spoken lines. Does he? Okay. I don't remember. That's what the, I did first. The, yeah, I did that one first right. as well. Well, for you, that was like a year and a half ago. So yeah. I remember just him being funny and yeah. like him just like having a certain charm about him. Yes. So, he's, he's a charming character. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah. So yeah, let's just move on into like the, the music part of this. Again, I don't really think there's anything in nothing like incredibly stood out to me like the title theme yes the little sound effects and the little bits of music as you went along they were good but nothing truly stood out to me as like oh this is fucking incredible like but also like the classical style of music that they went for is not is not my thing it's not music that really clicks with me sure I, I like some classical music, but like this didn't hit that because it's not actual classical music. It's most, I feel like anyway, it's mostly synthesized classical music. I think they used real instruments. They um, might they they might have, but, but it doesn't have that certain talent behind it. That hmm. sounds that sounds insulting, but I don't mean it to be insulting. It's just like when it comes to classical music, for me, it's like Mozart, Beethoven. And you're thinking like the London Symphony Orchestra, and that's not what we got. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's okay. not what we got. It wasn't, when classical music is used in a game, it needs to be epic. Do you mean classical or do you mean um, orchestral? Like, for instance, or- Mario... orchestral, orchestral or classic music. Okay. Mario Galaxy was done with like a full orchestra, and you can you can hear it. 
And it's you know epic. What I mean? it, it, yeah. it, it, it's a full like, orchestra. It, it, yeah, it really... The conductor's there, and it's like, here is the boom. Right. You know, right. like, it just didn't feel like the music ever hit the same tone that the game was trying to portray at the time to me. It felt a little, like, just... It fell flat to me at, at certain times. When I wanted it to be really fucking epic, it was just kind of playing in the background as background music. Okay, this is really interesting because I enjoy the music, but you're right, there isn't... There, there are not a lot of traditional like Zelda themes in it. There aren't a lot of different regions give you a different, a different sound. I, I did a little bit of research, and Koji Kondo, who's like the Nintendo god of music, he's mm-hmm. he was not involved in this. Okay. There were three composers. You know what? I'm not even going to say their names now. But they did the music for uh, Wind Waker and spirit tracks previously they went for a more ambient uh sound oh and you which can, i think you, it, it happened and you they can, made that happen oh yeah for sure to me when you're fighting like beast form ganon mm-hmm. that should be fucking epic as all, big as it gets. all i wanted to hear at that time when she was like hey this is our last chance you do this is just some somewhat new somewhat old like like as you fucking go into it that is the fucking zelda theme right like i might not be a fan of the the games like you know as as hardcore as you are but like i know that fucking theme that fucking theme is zelda yeah and it's nowhere to be found in this game and that bothers me that's 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 a really good point that's these are these are very good valid points when it comes to the music. And it's so not like Nintendo. Like you can go play Mario Odyssey and you hear the Yeah, I think they um they actually do an a cappella version in uh in a couple Mario's, including like oh, Sunshine. Yeah. And it's it's really good. Oh yeah, it's great. But they didn't they huh. didn't take their classic theme and and just kind of tweak it to make it its own thing. Yeah, and I'm thinking of like the the ancient theme, like whenever you're fighting a guardian, mm-hmm. like they they use that and they use different instruments and different sounds for them to like sort of symbolize the difference in technology. Mm-hmm. Um, that one recurred a lot. I going into this was going to praise the soundtrack, but you're bringing you're bringing up some really good points that maybe I need to go back and and listen to um, Twilight Princess or even Skyward Sword because Skyward Sword was a was a full orchestral soundtrack, and like uh, like I said, a full score. That game came with a disc that has the soundtrack on it, mm-hmm. and and I remember it being really good. So for this, they sort of took they had three composers. They said we're going to go in a different route, and they did it. And I like it as it stands on its own, but as a Zelda score, it does kind of fall short. I'm telling you, man, if you haven't played Twilight Princess, you should listen to the soundtrack at least. You'll you'll get what you want from that soundtrack hmm. you'll get it from the title screen because the choir opens it you see, you just see link sort of like in ocarina of time he's on his horse he's on epona and he's he's just riding along this ridge and you hear the and then all these different voices different the whole choir comes in right and it ends with link in wolf form howling it's it's really cool but but the the that's not here yeah, and 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 for a game series that at least in like the two or three that I have played, music is important. Ocarina, you're playing an ocarina, you're playing the songs. 
fucking Majora's Mask, you're playing an ocarina and and drums and all this stuff. Like to yeah, music's important. And then they, I feel like it's just not as prevalent in this one, and that bothers me because music really resonates with me. Just feel like it's not there, and I don't want to. This is this is like a Star Wars thing, and I was sure. thinking about this the other day. All right, when you think about Star Wars and you think about lightsabers, lightsaber duels, what is the tune that comes to your head? Duel of Fates. Duel of Fates was not in the original trilogy, though. That's true. That's true. That's the thing. When you have something new and powerful, it can it can resonate, resonate with anybody. That's exactly what I think of because my son is obsessed with that song. He loves that fucking song. Really? I have it on his playlist on on my phone. We listen to it constantly. He calls it the Darth Maul song. It's cute. But but pretty accurate. But literally Duel of Fates is what I associate with lightsaber music. It's in one movie that was a t- uh, but, 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 It's in Revenge of the Sith actually. Okay. They, they reuse it. Okay. So they so they reused it in Revenge of the Sith. I haven't watched that Dude, in a really I was, long time. I was 14 years old and saw Phantom Menace and compl- I bought the soundtrack and like listened to Duel of Fates so much it's stupid how much i listened to that but like i don't necessarily i'm not super in love with that movie for tons of different reasons great but that fucking song now takes over like like i see just like a gif of luke fighting darth vader and that song is there to I, me i don't have that problem it's not a problem it's just it's <laughs> What it is is like it's just that's lightsaber music to me. Okay, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Because the other, because the older trilogy did not have super epic music playing oh. while there was while there was lightsaber battles. Oh. Dude, I I watched the original trilogy probably five or six times a month. Okay, because my son loves it. But in Empire, when when Luke and Vader fight, there is some good use of music. Absolutely. When and when they fight in Re- Return of the Jedi, and they bring in like a like a like a low choir when they're fight at the very end. It's a very short fight, but when the music gets in there, that's good too. But it's not. I guess it's not as sustained and as memorable as Duel of Fates. Right. But that whole battle from the beginning of that in Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm is actually silent behind it and you just hear the lightsabers clashing back and forth. There's nothing behind it. It's them grunting and hitting lightsabers back and forth. You don't mean in in, in Return of the Jedi, you mean? Yeah. The whole beginning of that, there's nothing in the background. Oh, the beginning, I'm sorry. Okay. Like yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. all dark and you just see the lightsabers clashing Luke, like, back and forth. Does the backflip up into the scaffold yeah. Vader throws his lightsaber yeah. and all that's all quiet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But like our fr- like, uh, what I'm saying is, music can make a moment. Yes, and it can resonate and change your like ideas of what that music means to the series. So you're saying they could have introduced a new piece of music that was more memorable than the old stuff, and you would have been happy. They could have. Okay. Or they could have had a tie-in somewhere, and it just didn't do it for me. Okay. Sorry, I know that was a long rant, no. but like, you know, I it's it's one of the things that really stuck to me. I just wanted to hear the fucking Zelda fucking theme in this game. And and in my experience, it was nowhere to be found. I wanted some Zelda ass Zelda music, and I got none of it. Yeah, you should play Twilight Princess, I think. That's what that's my, one of my big takeaways from our discussion here is that I prescribe 
the Twilight <laughs> Princess HD. One. I have no means of playing it I right know, now. So. I know. Yeah, I want to say that the, the score is good in and of itself, but in terms of the franchise, it's not quite up to par. You've sort of swayed my, my opinion on that. It's valid points. Sorry, one, la- one last thing. Go ahead. If you took a soundtrack from this yeah. and listened to it yeah. without having played the game, do you think you would associate it with Zelda? No, actually, you brought up a good point. I, I wanted to make this connection earlier with Studio Ghibli. I feel like they're heavily influenced by Joe Hisaishi, I think is how you say his name. All of Miyazaki's films have been scored by him, and they're all very good. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. And I feel like the look and the sound is... They, they were sort of trying to go for that without full-blown going for it. And... um I want to oh. say, especially when you get into like Kakariko Village, and then it's very the music is very uh, like my neighbor Totoro. Oh, is it? Okay, a hundred percent. It's just like the that's like just like the background noise in a lot of like scene ins and scene outs in my neighbor Totoro. Another thing that my son loves is yep. the. My Neighbor Totoro and Kiki's Delivery Service. Oh, so, like, nice. I'm very familiar. And, like, I love Princess Mononoke and um, I love Spirited Away and Porco House Rosso. Moving. Ki- What's that? I love Porco Rosso. Is that the is that the raccoons? Uh, that's Pompoco. Okay. The, ra- the, the uh, Porco Rosso is the flying pig where Michael Keaton voices a pig in 1930s Italy who has a seaplane and is like a he's not a pirate he's a bounty hunter huh it doesn't sound like it works but you should watch the movie is it like age appropriate for odin or is it like not i'm just curious because when i yeah i think so well like because like spirited away is pg but spirited away is not a movie that i would show him okay maybe you should watch it on your own first yeah because there there are like guns and stuff yeah probably not not for odin anyway I think the the Ghibli the Ghibli factor the Ghibli factor should should be addressed and and I feel like they didn't go for Joe Hisaishi's sound but I still I still remember like seeing a trailer and sort of like getting vibes I'm like man this is really like Ghibli ish or or Miyazaki esque or or what have you I like it on its own but and I've listened to it on its own it doesn't hold up to the franchise and I yeah. Did I just blow your mind? No, you didn't blow my mind. <laughs> uh, apparently, a lot of people were online were were talking about how the soundtrack doesn't hold up, and I I still I still think it's good. I just you bring up you bring up good points. Okay, music is done, sound is done. Let's go for our final thoughts. Final thoughts. So as somewhat new i guess i mean i've been like i've been playing zelda for years it's just i i feel like you're not new to a franchise if you understand the full franchise and you just like haven't played it for years it's just i never beat the games i didn't have a 64 to beat ocarina i had a super nintendo and i played fucking zelda all the time but i mean i was like fucking eight so like i wasn't gonna just beat zelda i just ran around and played it you know what i mean oh yeah and then, you know, Majora's Mask is under the belt. I beat the shit out of that game. I 100% of that fucking game. Um, you fierce deity it. I fierce deity it. This game, I probably will never 100% it because there's way too much. But it's a game that I invested a lot of time in and I fell in love with very quickly. And I will continue to just pump hours into this game when I have some downtime. It's 
really fun to play. I think the gameplay mechanics and stuff are just brilliant. There's a bit of a learning curve to get there, but once you get there, like, and everything just clicks, you, you hit this certain point where everything just clicks and it's just perfect. But again, I don't believe that the perfect game exists. Right. I I just think it's just such a solid, solid game. Obviously, it has its flaws. All games do. I, but I think it's just a super solid game. It's really, really fun. I'm glad to have played it and have been able to have this discussion with you. Cool. Breath of the Wild is so good, it makes me nervous for the franchise because I don't know where they can go and what they can do and what the future will bring. Because it's been so successful financially and critically, I'm afraid that they're not going to want to make any major changes and they're going to try to stick to this formula for a bit. Now, I would love to see Breath of the Wild 2, Majora's Mask 2. Like, I'd love to see them take what they've done and, and make it dark and weird. I would love that. And I soon. Would, I would too. But I, I'm i just worried. And even though their track record is that that's not true. They'll buck the trend every couple years. They'll come up with something that's totally different or they won't, they'll do what's least expected. It's so good that it makes me worried about the future because I don't know where they're going to go with it. Um, they could say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna let Legend of Zelda rest for ten years, and I think I'd still be satisfied with this game. It's damn near perfect. There are the nitpicks, but I'm so glad it exists. I'm so glad I got to play it day one. I'm so glad I have it. That I'm 150 plus hours into it. Beat Ganon. Don't care. Keep going. I'm probably gonna get the DLC. It uh. It really sets the bar high for open world games. And there's some open world stuff coming up down the pipe that I hope can can get close. Well done, Nintendo. You reinvigorated the series and made a damn perfect Zelda game. I'm going to shed a tear. He is crying right now. The score. All right. I'll go first. Sure. I think I'm going to give this a 98%. It loses two points for those nitpicks. Is this your highly highest rated game? No. I think I rated uh, Blood Dragon 100. <laughs> <laughs> I think I gave Blood Dragon 100%. So, yeah, 98%. Not even going to question it. What do you got? I'm going to give this two bitchin' horse motorcycles <laughs> out of one perfectly executed Ganon. 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 Perfectly executed Ganon. Mm-hmm. Ganon's been executed. Yes. Somebody else has to come back. With a light arrow. That's my pig squeal. Yeah. That has been Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Again, I know there are things that we left out, but for the sake of time, we just couldn't include it. Sorry I gushed for so long. Thanks again, guys. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to Super Fun Game Review Podcast Go. Stay up to date on our Facebook at facebook.com slash superfunpodcast.
me. Where have you been for a hundred years? Get off your ass and save me. I've been napping, bitch. <laughs> no booty for you.